Bodine buckles me and he strapped me in and I put my the helmet on and he, he looks at me and he, he he puts the net up and he said, Roy, don't wreck this race car. And I took off down pit road. It was absolutely amazing. <laughs> Morning, man, ladies and gentlemen, to episode number 117 of Let's Go Racing with David Starr. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Got a big show on tap today. We're going to be joined by Roy Oliver, former NASCAR crewman for Jeff Bodine. He's got quite a fascinating story that we'll share when he joins us coming up later on. Plus, we'll have our news and notes with the latest happenings around the NASCAR community as we gear up for the first ever NASCAR street race coming up this weekend from Chicago, and we'll have our Ask David segment coming up at the end of today's show. David Starr back with us after the week off last week. David and I were in Nashville this weekend, and David, we'll dive into the Nashville race in just a second when we bring in Dominic. But first off, on your front, I got to tell you, David, you know, just as as your friend, not not even your, your colleague or co-host, I, I was just excited to see my friend David Starr back on the racetrack again and smile on your face and the enthusiasm and everything. I know it had been several weeks since you'd raced, but how was that, just getting back in the race car, making the race and being a part of it and uh, completing all the laps there on a Saturday, David? Oh, man, it was, it was awesome, you know. <clears throat> it was awesome. It's, uh, you know, I didn't realize that we ran Daytona and then we went to California. Then, you know, my racing school got so busy uh, I didn't realize it was four months since we raced in Fontana. And, uh, uh, but man, it felt good inside of the race car, no doubt about it. You know, when you do it week in and week out, and then you skip four months, it's kind of tough, you know. So, uh, but it, it's, uh, it was a lot of fun. Enjoyed it. Yeah, no doubt about it. Dominic Alagon joins us right now. Uh, Dominic, uh, I know you weren't out there with us in Nashville, but I got to tell you, uh, Sunday was. I thought a fun race. I know there wasn't a lot of cautions and some people uh, will sit there and say, you know, Hey, it needs more action, needs more wrecks here and there. But I got to tell you, it was fun, aggressive racing with a lot of passing came down right to the very end. Uh, you know, we mentioned not a lot of cautions, a lot of green flag laps there. Ultimately Ross Chastain gets the job done. Uh, big win for for Ross to finally break through and get back to victory lane. We know Trackhouse been fast all year long. It was only a matter of time. Only a matter of time. It was a little more than a year for Ross to get back to victory lane in the Cup Series, but he did it in such a dominating fashion, winning his first Cup Series career poll, backing that up with all the stage points he accumulated, leading the most laps, taking the checkered flag for his third career win. Certainly, maybe not a popular win amongst the fans, but I think it says a lot with the naysayers. Hey, Ross Chastain can get it done past the road course, past a bump and run at a road course event or a certain plate event, and actually got in dominator race. And we've seen Ross muscle his way up to the front last year, this year, lead a bunch of laps, maybe just not close out the deal in a dominating fashion. He certainly did that on Sunday. And he ran a clean race, too, uh, something that we haven't mentioned a whole lot with Ross Chastain. So that in itself was, a, I think, a big accomplishment, not just a win, but a clean win at that um, David, uh, want to get your insights here. You know, as I was watching the race, one of the things that stood out to me all night long, the leader could never pull away. Even Ross Chastain, for as much as the laps that he led, he was never getting that far out across the rest of the field. You saw Martin Truex make a run there towards the end 
may have been a different result had the race gone to overtime. Uh, very competitive. I, I love just the way that race went, that that was – it was not only clean, clean racing, but it, it was not predictable. The There, there was just – I know the Dominic you know, mentioned how Ross led the most laps and all that, but – uh, I mean, a number of guys were capable of winning this race. I thought I, I loved the parody we saw on Sunday night. Man, it was a great race. Uh, obviously, didn't have as much afternoon, but uh, but it was very competitive. You know, when you when you have you got three wide, maybe two or three rows rows deep. You know, but first three wide for two or three laps. I'll tell you what, it it doesn't get much better than that. You know. Uh, 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 Ross Chastain had dominant cars, but there were several other cars that were really good. One of them comes to mind, Tyler Reddick's car was really fast. Uh, unfortunate, uh, he had a pit. I don't know if there was a malfunction with the pit gun, but uh, obviously they didn't get the one. Uh, and coming off turn three, going into turn three, he felt something out coming back to pit road and uh lost a tire which messed up the arrow there underneath the car so he wasn't a threat after that but he was uh looked like the one car 19 and uh, tyler reddick and uh and i throw kevin harvick in there uh had luck we watched him as the race progressed he got stronger and stronger it was amazing i think he had just moved into third place or fourth uh, when he had a flat tire, which took him out of the race. But, uh, but man, what a clean race. It was a quick race. We saw the top three cars, you know, Ross Chastain, uh, Martin Truex Jr., and were the class of the fields. And like I said, uh, Ross had them covered at the end. It seemed like the on the long Ross's cars, uh, Ross's – you talk. I was really impressed with Truex uh, at the end. I thought the race played out when the guys were, you know, when the losing fuel load and the tires were wore out. I was real consistent, didn't lose much speed. But at the end, Truex that way. They had made some good adjustments. But, man, it, uh, it, was, a, it was a popular win and uh, a great race, and it was fun to be there. Yeah, it was, no doubt about it. Dominic, one more thing before we bring – our guest in the show. Let me ask you this. Uh, Nashville sellout crowd on Sunday, uh, you know, of 50,000 plus in the grandstands. We mentioned a great, exciting race. First race, the NBC season and everything here. I, I think when you talk about the future, you can't talk about the future of this sport without Nashville being involved here. I know that uh, we mentioned with Dustin Long here last week about the idea of the fairgrounds and, there was a big Save the Fairgrounds campaign there at the track this weekend. And uh, we know IndyCar does their own street race in the streets of Nashville, which has been a big hit as well. Um, music City, you know, home of country music in America, uh, one of the fastest growing cities in the country. This has been a match made in heaven. Uh, I've seen NASCAR and Nashville being together in some way, shape, and form for a very long time here. It's a great marriage, and it was something that wasn't there for a long time, too. We know the Cup Series used to run there in the 70s and the 80s, and we saw that absence with the Xfinity Series and Truck Series. And, and it's good to see Nashville Super Speedway having its triple header weekend, but no matter if it's the Super Speedway or the Fairgrounds or even, like you said, open wheel in any car. And even our friend Joseph Wooten of the Steve Miller Band on our show a few weeks ago just 
describing the hype around Nashville Super Speedway and going for the first time as a fan, you can tell there's just something different about Nashville in that market. And when you look at the ratings, too, for NASCAR races and they break down each market, Nashville is usually in the top 10, if not the top five, of the most watched per demographic, per area. It's a big NASCAR market. We're here to stay in Nashville. Yeah. Uh, you got the awards banquet there as well. Uh, all over Broadway, banners and signs up about the race. Everybody was talking about the race. It was a big deal. So I enjoyed it. Dave and I had a great time. Uh, Dominic, tell us about our guest this week and bring him in for us. Hey, I'm really excited to, to have Roy on our show this week. Roy Oliver. Roy Oliver, excuse me. He is a cool dude. He is like the coolest race fan who got the coolest opportunity <laughs> to get an opportunity with a NASCAR team in the 1990s. Roy Oliver, and we're going to let him tell his story more, but just to kind of give you the Cliff Notes version here, Roy was a longtime Jeff Bodine fan, ended up getting to know Jeff. Jeff ultimately offers him a spot on his team in the 1994 campaign, the year Jeff won multiple races, the All-Star Race, etc. We're going to hear about Roy's journey through the sport. They can make a movie, if not at least a book, on Roy's experiences coming from the northeastern part of the United States, moving down to North Carolina, and becoming a part of the sport and the traveling circus that is NASCAR. So, Roy, thank you so much for joining us this week on Let's Go Racing. My pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. Well, Roy, one thing we love doing on the show, before we get started, you got to take us back to the beginning. Tell us where uh -huh. the, the fandom started with auto racing and NASCAR, how you got involved, and, and just the, the grassroots of that, where it all started for you. I, I never actually, uh, being in Connecticut, there were no tracks. Stafford Motor Speedway was the the main track in Connecticut as, as I was growing up as a kid. But of course, open wheel modified racing. Um, I just never was a part of that. But uh, I hung around with a bunch of guys who were streetcar guys who were NASCAR fans. And uh, most of them, of course, were at the time Dale Earnhardt fans. But there was this one guy in the Levi Garrett Chevrolet, Rick Hendrick Chevrolet, uh, number five. And I said, you know, this guy, there's something about this guy. I like this guy. And uh, he won the 87 Daytona 500, or 86 Daytona 500. He could have won the 87, but he ran out of gas there with a, a lap or two to go. But, uh, yeah, I became a Jeff Bodine fan, and I went to uh, – Dover, I went to Pocono, uh, Watkins Glen to watch him run and uh, try to figure out, you know, I, there's no way I can get near this guy. I mean, just how do I meet this dude? So I, I made a VHS video of myself, introduced him to myself and uh, my wife and my family, and I mailed it to him. And about a month later, I come home from work and my wife says, Roy, you're never going to guess who just called the house. And I, I'm like, who? She said, Jeff. And I was like, Jeff who? She goes, Roy, Jeff Bodine called. He wants you to call him back. <laughs> and I, of course I did. And from there, it kind of just, it grew. And he invited us to come down to the house. And uh, Don and I went down to Martinsville. He took us to the race. Uh, he was married to Kathy at the time, and I got to stay at his house and meet his young son, Barry, and we just snowballed from there. We became very good friends, and I went to Daytona and stayed at his condo in Daytona, and just 
inside. It was an absolute unbelievable uh, happening. Like no fan gets to to see what I saw. And I, I made a lot of friends uh, during that time. And uh, unfortunately, that the uh, tragic loss of Alan Kowickley in 92, um, and the truth of that, I mean, 93, actually, the truth there is that after that happened, I spoke to Jeff and I didn't want to sound, you know, I don't even know the word morbid or anything, but I said, Jeff, this might be a great opportunity. I, I was thinking to myself that if you could purchase that team, you would be the, the president and also the driver. And I'm not saying that I made him do that, but I did say that to him and it did happen. And uh, ironically, I ended up at the, the uh, Alan Kowicki race shop with Jeff the day that he purchased the team. It was uh, an amazing experience. And I had a feeling that when I drove back home in Connecticut after that visit, that I was going to get a call because I mentioned to him a few times that I would come down there and sweep the floor and empty the garbage pails. I didn't care. I didn't have any NASCAR experience, obviously, but uh, Jeff and I had made a friendship and uh, I was a guy he could trust. And he did call me and my wife and I did move to Greensboro, North Carolina. And I went to work for Jeff in uh, 1993, the end of the season, through the entire season in 94. And it was the most awesome experience that any any guy could ever have, you know, want or have. It was amazing. Oh. And, and David, just hearing that story, too, like the, taking the time to send something through the mail and Jeff getting back to him. It reminds me of when Corey LaJoy wrote that letter to Rick Hendrick and saying, hey, if there's ever an opportunity, I'd love to do that. And I, I think... A lot of times people overlook things, but when things are handwritten or there's that personal touch to it, David, I feel like it goes the extra mile, like in, in Roy's case here. No, it's cool hearing Roy's story, uh, man. It, it's just, uh, you know, it's it's that's what our sport's all about, uh, you know, hearing great stories like that and having somebody write a letter to, to a race car driver and having Jeff respond and, you know, the experience that Roy got the experience going to the 1985, what, you know, going to the Daytona 500 and doing all that stuff with Jeff. Uh, I don't know if he was at the 85 Daytona, 86 Daytona 500, but just hearing how that relationship developed, you know, it's great. You know, it's, it's uh, it just, you know, a lot of times uh, fans or people that just love racing in general, and you reach out to a to a, a driver, a crew chief, or somebody in a sport. It, it it's really refreshing, and it also what we already know. Jeff Bodine is a class act. Not only is he one of the best ever race car drivers out there, but to hear how that relationship developed, hear how Roy sent that v you know the, the VCR tape, and having Jeff respond to it is is awesome. You know, you just don't hear many stories like that. And it just, it says a lot about both guys. And uh, man, uh, what a great story, you know. And, uh, you know, it's just, you know, it's 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 unbelievable, really. Well, and Roy, too, when you, when you hear a story like that and Jeff takes you up on it. So, okay, you get to work with Jeff. How quick was that learning curve? Because 
he takes you up on it. You're, you're moving your family down to North Carolina, halfway across the country. Tell us about that. I'm sure that learning curve was pretty steep. Well, I got to be honest, guys. I mean, when you go into a, a NASCAR shop back in 1994, and uh, things were a lot different in 1994 than they are today, um, I was not, I was the, the boss's pet. And man, a lot of guys let me know that when I got there, uh, I made a mistake of changing a radio station from a country station to a rock and roll station. And <laughs> boy, I never made that mistake again. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, those guys, uh, you know, there was a, it was a Winston Cup championship team. I, they were they those guys were the best at that time. And for me to come in there with they all knew I had no experience. And I mean, I was, I, I just wanted to show everybody that I was going to be an asset. I was not going to be a liability. And I, I didn't come here to, to, for, for fame or fortune or anything. I, I came here because I, I truly was a, I love that guy. And uh, I wanted to be there. I gave up my life to be there and I was going to help in any way I could. And it took a while because, like I said, uh, there was a few guys there that told me that I didn't belong, and it, it so, was a, it was so a. Well, you gained their respect. You proved yourself. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I mean, uh, again, we had some. It, it was just a, a transition that we went through that year that Jeff had chosen to run Hoosier Tires. Uh, making that decision, there was also a like a a political side to it that a lot of drivers were upset that Jeff did that. And I mean, when we went to the super speedways like Talladega and Daytona, them fellas didn't want to draft with him. They didn't want to push him. They would, they would move away from him uh, out in the track. And that that's a fact. And it was, it just made everything an uphill kind of progression, but uh, man, when when he won the All Star race, that just once that happened, things really clicked. And uh, I got to say that Bob Newton, he put a lot of faith and trust into uh, into Jeff, and we did a lot of tire testing for Bob. I did a lot of traveling. Man, I I was never home that season. Uh, we went to Indianapolis. I would say at least three times before the actual race to test out there and man we had such a great car because you guys i know i don't have to tell you pocono rivals the uh the indianapolis racetrack and jeff lapped the entire field in pocono except for ward burton he didn't get by ward but ward he was on ward's tail when they crossed the finish line and ward was on hoosier tires also so that gives you an idea of the setup that he had at, at Pocono. And we took that same race car and we went to Indianapolis and Jeff qualified third. But if you watch that race, you will see that Jeff did not pit on the first uh, caution flag. The entire, everyone pitted except for Jeff. And Jeff was on, uh, I would say at least 18 lap, 20 lap tires. And when the rest of the field came out, Jeff Gordon did pass him. I believe 
another car passed him. And so he fell back to third or fourth. And within 10 laps, he passed everyone again on, on tires that had 20 or 30 laps more than everybody else. And we knew right then and there, it was our race to win. But again, that was unfortunate that uh, he and Brett got together there and turned four and <laughs> man, Roy, just listen to you speak, man. It's like, man, it's like you're bringing history back current, you know, because I was I was there that day. Uh, I was there at the 94 Brickyard 400. Uh, I remember it was really big news in the sport to have, you know, Jeff Bodine, Daytona 500 winner, cup champion, uh, you know, switch over to Hoosiers, you know, but you know, now that I've been a NASCAR driver for 25 years and understand the business side of it, man, you know, you can't blame him. I know it was a political thing back then, uh, but man, from a business standpoint, and then just hearing you from inside, I never knew, uh, you know, if, you know, all of us that, uh, that are involved or watch NASCAR race, uh, NASCAR racing or watch racing on television, Everybody knows if you got 20 lap tires, 25 lap, 30 tires, and everybody makes a pit stop, they put on fresh tires, you're a sitting duck. You're going yeah. back quick. You yes, know, you and are. it's amazing how good the Hoosier tires were to be able to have everybody make a pit stop, lap 20, whatever it was at Indianapolis, and have uh, – Jeff Bodine fall back to third or fourth and then later in that run pass everybody and go back to the lead is a testament of why Jeff Bodine uh, chose the Hoosiers and people don't understand but one of the biggest uh, one of the biggest expenses in auto racing are tires and I'm sure Jeff as his own team owner at the time was looking at the financial side of it too you know but uh, but man Jeff he uh, Jeff Jeff did what Jeff thought was always best for his racing team and him, even though it might not have been the, uh, uh, I don't know how you say that. Uh, he stepped out there and, and, and Jeff knew what was right and wrong and knew what was good for his team. But man, I've always been a, f a fan of Jeff Bodine, but it's cool to hear, to go back in time and hear somebody that was working, uh, connected, involved in it because I remember it like it was yesterday. That was a big deal in NASCAR world to have Jeff Bodine switch over to Hoosier Tires. Yeah, it was. Yeah, pretty cool. Big deal. And and Roy, we've had Jeff on the show before and he's been very open about the 94 season. And you want to talk about a season that's like like the missing ring, the missing championship or the ultimate feast and famine season. When you guys were on, you guys were on fire leading the most laps, winning the pole, just putting a blister on the rest of the competition. But yeah. when the engines were blowing, they were blowing eight engine failures in 31 races, one out of every four races, essentially. So Jeff has shared those highs and lows of that season, winning three times, winning the All-Star Race, and of course the lows of his professional and personal career. Now, working on the team, what was it like from that insider point, seeing all these highs, seeing all these lows, climbing all those mountains and falling through those valleys? It was uh, an emotional roller coaster. It really was. I'm, it was a, such a tight knit team. Again, we we're talking about the, uh, the the pit crew who I spent the most time with. These fellows had won the Winston Cup championship. 
they knew what it took to win. The the guy that was there before Bodine was absolutely that was an amazing story in itself. I mean, that guy was was something. Um, but uh, with Jeff, like you say, when when he was good, he was great. Uh, lapped the field at, at North Wilkesboro. He uh, he ran. He won the pole in Atlanta. I set track record at Atlanta that I, that I think still stood till a few just a few years ago. I mean, he was absolutely he was hard to beat. He, it was great. Should have won Bristol, the night race at Bristol, and had an engine failure. Um, Mellow Yellow Five Hundred at Charlotte. He led the most laps until we had an engine failure. Um, the race in Sonoma was unbelievable. I mean, unbelievable. He was marvelous on the road course there. And uh, we finished second there to uh, Ernie Irvin, who was, he was awesome. Uh, Jeff cruised to an easy win in Michigan. That, that was unbelievable. As I said, in Pocono, he lapped everyone except for Ward Burton. It was uh when when he was good, he was great. He was unbeatable. But again, the, the engine failures hurt us. And uh, it's just, it was a tough season so for, Roy, for looking, everybody. Looking back on that 94 season and Jeff owning his own teams, uh, did y'all own your own engines or were you sourcing that out? Who was doing y'all's engines that year? No, our, our engine builder was Danny Glad. And uh, okay. I became very good friends with Danny. In fact, uh, if it weren't for Danny stepping down from the pit crew, because Danny was a tire carrier on the pit crew before I got there. And Danny said, you know what? I got a lot. I got a lot of, I got a lot on the line here. I can't get hurt. I can't get injured. I, jumping over the walls is a, is a dangerous thing. I'm, I'm going to step back. Um, and Roy, I see you out here at pit, you know, pit stop practice. I think you should be the guy. And Bodine agreed. So that's how I got on. I was a tire carrier on the pit crew. Um, and I worked with Shane Parsno, who obviously went on to have a, an amazing career with Hendrick Motorsports. But uh, it was thinking back, man, uh, and like being on the show right now, I, I really haven't thought about it. But here we are in uh, 2023, and that was 1994. and just a, a 30 year old guy that had zero, <laughs> zero NASCAR experience. <laughs> and I had so many uh, acquaintances back home that were involved in stock car racing at Stafford that were like, how in the hell is that guy <laughs> going over the wall at Daytona <laughs> and Indianapolis? Who is awesome, how did man. this happen? It just, is, it's unbelievable, but it, it did happen. It, and it was such a magical, magical thing. Well, and, and what, it, what it sounds like, Roy, you know, from, from what you've said and, you know, the conversations I've had with, with Jeff in the past, too, that this is a guy that he's a, he's a trendsetter. He does things his way <laughs> or the highway. No one tells Jeff Bodine what to do. Um, and that he does what's best for him and the people around him, his family and all that. I mean, he is a unique cat, you know, like uh, – I, I, 
I hate to sound say it this way. I hope people don't take this the wrong way. He's he's an alpha. He's an alpha male, you know, and and, and that's that's what I get out of him. Was was that kind of what what you took away his personality and the way he he operated? Well, I learned about that. You know, I, mean, <laughs> I was just a fan. <laughs> I was a fan, but uh, there was a few times when I went over the wall and uh, he asked me to do something and I didn't get it done. And yeah, we heard about that. Uh, it was, yeah, he, he's uh, he was the alpha. He, he, but in a good way. I mean, he was he was never a bossy guy. Never, you know, a finger in the face kind of guy. He was he knew what he needed to win. That was uh, a great thing about him. He he knew how to set up the car. He knew what he liked, and uh, he he demanded that. And uh, God bless Paul Andrews was able to give him that on several occasions, and uh, it was. It was such a an amazing season, man. Just really, really great. Awesome. So, Roy, when's your book coming out? <laughs> My book? <laughs> uh, no, nah, I, I haven't been writing much, but uh, Dominic has got one coming out. So, yeah, I'm, but you may need for that one. Dom, you got we got to make sure Roy's in the book, dude. Oh, he yeah. is. Exactly. Okay, yeah, that's amazing. Roy, how many, we spoke like at least on three or four occasions because there were just so many good stories. And I got your perspective, like, well, hey, how about this? Or how about that? So Roy is actually quoted in the book. There's drivers quoted. There's broadcasters. We wanted to have at least one team member. And we got two team members. Paul Andrews and Roy Oliver are going to be in the book from with, with multiple quotes, I should add, too. So, <laughs> awesome. yeah, oh, yeah. Roy's got some good stuff in there. And, and to Roy, I think on that whole season, so just to give even more perspective, 31 races, you guys were testing. So there were Saturday and Sunday races sprinkled across 94 and Wednesday test sessions. And one test session in particular that really stands out is one at Bristol Motor Speedway. I believe you guys were doing a midweek test there. And I don't know which two tracks were in between that or sandwiched in between this test session, but <laughs> you had a pretty cool opportunity. We know Tyler a few weeks ago got to do the opportunity with David's Team Texas High Performance Racing School. And Roy, you had an even similar experience. Tell us about that. Well, you know, I was... I've always been a comedian. I'm a, I'm a funny guy, and I, I got a big mouth. <laughs> we were flying <laughs> over, we were flying over to, to Bristol, in a Cessna prop plane with uh, Bob Newton and uh, a few of these Hoosier guys, these these high up guys, and uh, Paul Andrews, Jeff Bodine, and myself in the plane, and. Uh, I don't know, maybe I had one too many coffees that morning, but I, I looked over <laughs> at Bodine and I said to him, you know, Bodine, if uh, if I ever get behind a wheel at number seven, you may be looking for a new job. And boy, those those Hoosier guys really liked the way I said that. They were laughing and it was, it was a joke. But uh, we landed the plane, we got to, uh, we got to Bristol and we, uh, it was, I remember it was at least 95 degrees that Bristol heat was excruciating and Jeff was just running lap after lap after lap. We were the only team there and it was the end of the session. Uh, I was there with Peter Jellin and my buddy, Danny Cameron, and we, uh, we were getting ready to put the tires on the car to, to push it back into the truck, load it up. And Jeff is talking to the Hoosier guys. They're taking temperatures on the tires. And and 
Bodine looks over at me, goes, what are you doing? And I, I'm getting the car. I'm going to put the car in a truck. He said, nah, hold on a second. What about that uh, talk about uh, me, me losing my job? <laughs> I said, what are you talking about? I'm not lying to you guys. He took his helmet and he threw it and I caught his helmet. And he goes, let's see what you got. And and Bob Newton was clapping. Like he was like, oh boy, here we go. And and now it that's when it set in, fellas. I, that's when it really set in that I'm looking up at this the grandstands and I'm looking at this bank track. And I'm saying to myself, Jesus, I'm gonna get into number seven, XI batteries, Thunderbird. This is a primary race car and I'm about to drive this thing. And I I was getting in the car and I looked at him because I am a funny guy. <laughs> I said, Bodine, you're making a career decision here. <laughs> and he pushed me in and I got inside the car. I didn't even know how to start the goddamn thing. But <laughs> Bodine buckles me and he strapped me in and I put my the helmet on and he, he looks at me and he, he he puts in that up and he said Roy don't wreck this race car okay and uh started the car and I took off down pit road and I, I guys I wish that I could have had a video or, or a photo or something to, to to show you but it was absolutely amazing I mean I drove up on the out of the track and I, I looked down and the bottom of the racetrack was flat and I'm I'm sideways in this car that I also learned that if you let go of the steering wheel, the goddamn thing's gonna turn left. You, you gotta hold the thing straight. So I'm driving and I'm shifting gears and I'm I'm in fourth gear and I'm probably going 50 miles an hour, just rolling around, just looking at the groove in the track and and just not in disbelief what's going on right now and then i get this call over the radio well what do you got <laughs> okay you asked for it and i i proceeded to run probably five laps as hard as i could physically drive this car i i'd never driven anything like this before i mean my my dad owned a 1977 trans am because we we loved the movie Smokey and the Bandit, and we went out and bought all those <laughs> things. So, so I mean, like I had, I had visions of you know maybe I was Burt Reynolds a couple of times in my life, but <laughs> nothing like this. You know what I mean? This was just the ultimate. And uh, after my five lap run, I came down pit road and I dropped the net, and I had my arm out the window, and I'm yeah, I did it, man! I'm the man, and I pulled up, and and everybody was clapping and they were laughing at the same time and and I got out of the car and I stood up on the door and I had my arms up like I just won the, the Bristol 500 and uh I jumped down off the the door and I take the helmet off and Bodine comes over and gives me a hug and he says Roy we got a new nickname for you and I said what's that he goes we're gonna call you the turtle <laughs> the turtle Jesus. I said I was I ran the rubber off of those tires he goes, well, you, you certainly run, you smoked the brakes off that car. Look at the, the brakes were overheating. And 
but it was a, an amazing experience. So I'll never forget that as long as I live. And it, you know, what, what a cool and, story, man. Yeah, try it. That's try unheard it. of. <laughs> it is unheard of. Yeah, it is. You're thinking about that it now, is. like, man, how the. You've never even driven a race car before. Get in there and drive my race car. Wow. Can you believe it? And I Man. said, like, thinking later on, Jeff, are you crazy letting me drive that race car? He says, I knew you would. You could handle it. <laughs> I don't know. That's awesome. I could drive it, but I don't know about handling it. That was something else. So. Amazing story, man. Unbelievable. So yeah. let, me, let me ask you, let's get one more question in, and then we'll, uh, we'll move on to our news and notes here. Roy, uh, how did things finish out uh, for you, and what have you been doing since? Well, things finished out. Um, you know, unfortunately, life life changes, guys. You, everybody knows it. You go through changes, and and uh, Jeff had uh, he he and his wife had parted ways at the end of that season, and Jeff was. Uh, he was going through changes himself. He he, I, he didn't know like what was going to happen after that season. He, he said that to me that he he wasn't sure, you know, how he felt about racing. And I knew uh, after that season and and putting in the hours and days and weeks and months of of racing that we did, I knew like I mean I lived with my wife obviously, but I never seen her she she'd only come to the closest races to uh charlotte and i i missed my family um I, I was a huge snowmobile guy i still am a huge snowmobile guy it was a huge part of my life snowmobile drag racing and uh i love my family and i missed my friends i love my friends and i i i didn't know what was going to happen you know with jeff or, or the team and uh I said to him, you know, Jeff, I think it'd be best if I, if after the season is over, I'm going to go back home and, and make a life for myself back home. I got to, I got to figure some stuff out. And he had to figure some stuff out. And that's exactly how it happened. And uh, obviously, I've always kept in touch with Jeff. I, I visited with him and he's visited with me. And um, I've been meaning to get back to see him. Uh, like life just, the, the, clock does not stop ticking man it just keeps on ticking and and you you end up where you end up but uh i'm uh i currently work at land and sea power sports in waterbury connecticut uh one of my best friends longtime friends is the owner of it and uh, i'm a salesman over there and again it's it's snowmobiles atvs uh watercraft motorcycles that's uh something that i've been a part of my entire life so i i, I get to I have a really great job and uh, I love being where I'm at right now. But uh, again, with Jeff, I, I wish we lived closer and we had a closer relationship. Like I could visit with him more often than I have because he's, he's been like a dad to me, man. He, he, you don't, guys just don't get the opportunity that I got, especially in a guy in his position. It was uh it was one of the most amazing things, and uh, I'm I'm so grateful that I was able to to live through that. It was amazing. That's well, I think I think it's an honor we got to you got to got to hear you. You know, it's cool to and, and thank you for sharing your story with us. It's uh, you got to live a year as a NASCAR crew member, personal friends with Jeff Bodine, and just 
you know, all the cool things you got to do and, and, and to see the business side of it inside where most people don't go the p political, financial, the emotional, I mean, and, and, and seeing, uh, Roy, what it takes uh, for a team to be a championship caliber team. And, you know, and, and just listening to you speak, NASCAR racing is awesome. You know, it's on television every weekend. It's great, but it's not for everybody because, you know, these crew members, crew chiefs, all the men and women, I mean, you're, you're without your family for, you know, 10 months, you know, and, and the work, the work, uh, the schedule, it, it's, and, and, and you said it best, it's not for everybody, you know, and, uh, but what's cool about it is just the whole story, but what's cool about it, you got to live, uh, an ultimate dream, an ultimate experience for a year. And you knew towards the end when it was going to be done, that, that, that was not what your career was going to look like. You know what I mean? And, uh, yeah. Pretty awesome story, man. It's uh, incredible, and and I, I've always been a big Jeff Bodine fan, and Dominic, and uh, Tyler are great friends with Jeff. Uh, but the whole family uh, are a hell of race car drivers, a hell of a family. Uh, all his brothers, they're all really great, awesome race car drivers, and man, and Jeff has always been a class act. You know, the sport is really where the sport is at. Uh, because of a lots of things that Jeff Bodine invented and did for the sport, you know, and that he didn't get the recognition for. But uh, but but anyway, man, pretty cool story, Roy, and it's cool to cool to have you on here. Thank you, guys, man. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, yeah. One one more thing, David. I'll add, kind of to your point. You know, we've been doing this show for over two years now, and we have never had a crewman on this show before. And, right. and David. To, to finally have a crewman on of some sorts, I think Roy was a great fit <laughs> because it was it's such a unique story from other crewmen out there. No, no one's got a story like Roy here. No, I mean it's so unique and so personalized, and just you know, it, it, it's it's amazing. You know uh, what Roy got to experience, live through, work in, see uh, a lot of the history. Uh, that 1994 season, you know, with talking about Bob uh, Bob Newton with Hoosier tires, the 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 tire war, NASCAR, you know, it was a very political thing, you know, and and uh, and then the inaugural race at the Indianapolis Indianapolis Motor Speedway uh, for NASCAR to go to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and run a NASCAR race, inaugural race. I mean, there were so many things that happened in that year, and 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 for for Roy to be part of all that is amazing. You know, is yeah. amazing story. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, news and notes time uh, for the latest headlines going on in the world of motorsports at a NASCAR. Uh, Dominic takes us away, and Dom, we start with some very sad and heartbreaking news uh, out of Muskogee, Oklahoma. Not too far away from, from your hometown there, Tyler, in, in, East, in East Oklahoma, rather. And we, we do begin with some sad news with the reporting of Jimmy Johnson's in-laws, his parents-in-laws had passed away at a, the hands of a tragic event. Muskogee Police Department was first to report on Tuesday, Jan June 27th, that 
two people, three people were called into a release where a resident from a woman saying there was a disturbance and a gun ultimately finding out that three lives were lost. Terry Janaway is suspected, according to police, shooting and killing her husband, Jack Janaway, and their 11-year-old grandson, Dalton Janaway. And this is Jimmy Johnson's wife's parents and their nephew. And to, to further add on to that, Legacy Motor Club, Jimmy Johnson's NASCAR Cup Series team that he co-owns, released a statement that they were going to withdraw the number 84 entry. Johnson was slated to run this weekend at the inaugural NASCAR Chicago Street Course Race. And that no further comment will be said at this time. But certainly, Tyler, our, our thoughts, our prayers, our, our hearts break for Jimmy Johnson, his wife and their family, and, and it's all affected by this. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll say this, uh, David, that, you know, I, I feel for Jimmy and, and Chandra. You know, they're they're wonderful people. And, and you're not going to hear a bad thing about Jimmy Johnson, the person from anybody. Um, and the situation, not only is it sad, it's just just bizarre. We, we obviously don't. We weren't there. We don't know exactly what happened and everything. We're still waiting on more details to confirm. But uh, certainly just thinking of the Johnsons at this uh, just ter terrible time right now. Yeah, you know, you can't – it's hard to even comprehend it, you know. And Jimmy is such a class act uh, and champion, just a great guy. I mean, it's just – I mean, you don't even really know how to respond. And like Dominic says, man, I just – you know, you feel for the family, you pray for them, your thoughts and prayers are with them, you know, and, and I mean, it's just, it's so unreal to hear that when you hear that, see that kind of stuff that happens in our country, uh, you know, and, and you know, you just think about mental health, you know, sometimes, you know, you don't know what's going on in people's uh, lives or, you know, just, man, it's just, I don't know, man, I, I, I just, I just, we're all blessed. Uh, life's precious. It can be taken from us in, a, in a, just a in a second. You know, I just uh, I just hate to hear this kind of news for anybody, and especially for Jimmy Johnson, such a wonderful person and his family. So sad, sad news, man. Yeah, Roy, what was your reaction when you heard this news? Uh, disbelief. I, you know, just disbelief again. I, the, the the term uh, mental illness or I just I never I've never dealt with it personally but I, I you can't comprehend what what just happened and God I just feel so bad for the the people that are are here and have to deal with the the consequence of of this actions I just it's a sad thing. Dominic, uh, as far as the on-track stuff goes, um, that 84 entry, we, we, as you mentioned, withdrew from this race. Uh, they won't be involved here. Um, that's a part-time team. Uh, you know, Jimmy's been picking and choosing the races he wants to do. Um, he doesn't have to be there. Uh, I know that the entry list, we'll talk about that here in a second, is pretty impressive, but th th this is the right call. Uh, he, he needs to be with his family at this time. This is an easy decision for that, that team to – you know, to stay away from the track this weekend. Certainly NASCAR nation, the, the members of NASCAR, the the team members, the, the drivers, everybody preaches how this is a family-oriented sport. And right now his personal family really needs him. And like you said, the right call, there's going to be racing. There's going to be more opportunities to hit the track later. He's making the right call. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. So, Dominic, what else going on? 
Well, shifting gears to a much lighter note, we've been following the NASCAR media TV rights deal and landscape and how we're going to possibly maybe see some changes in 2025 with the new TV deal, but not so fast. According to the Sports Business Journal and Adam Stern reporting, with only July 4th, a week away, we thought we might see a clear answer as to what this new TV rights deal is. But that's, that timeline, Tyler, is being pushed back a couple of months to late summer, early fall. So about September, October, we may have more of an idea of what's going on with it. But it seems like NASCAR is moving away, too, from selling the full season of the Xfinity series to an exclusive streaming partner. And that talks with Amazon seem to be stalling at this time to take over six races or more or less about six races on the Cup Series side, much like how we saw the TNT deal from 2007 to 2014. Um, I got to tell you, I'm not surprised. Uh, somebody that follows the media landscape, uh, the Pac-12 conference in college football, um, they thought they were going to get a deal done with Amazon and that's been delayed and they were supposed to have an announcement in December. It's June now. Pac-12 hasn't announced a TV deal at this point in time. They got other factors involved. Um, you know, ESPN is making cuts. The NFL Network is making cuts. Fox, um, you know, its economy is not great right now. Uh, you don't have to be an expert to know that. Um, you know, and the NBA has also got their TV deal up as well, and NBC is apparently interested in that. Just a lot of moving parts and pieces. I will say, though, as somebody that's been watching this from the media side, uh, that the longer this drags out, that's not good news um, because that means that that's more opportunity for people to say no and drive down the price and affect these teams. So, David, I, I don't know what ultimately this looks like. I know you and I talked about it a while back. Uh, we were having a conversation uh, – we were out several weeks ago for my birthday, uh, how for the Xfinity series, it, it would be, I, I would think uh, it could be costly for Xfinity teams if those races aren't available on network television, if they went exclusively to a streamer, especially when you have a lot of older NASCAR fans out there. Yeah, we, we talked about that, Tyler. And, you know, that, that space right there, I don't know a whole lot about it, but I do know that, you know, our sport, uh, you know, has risen to be what it, what it, what it is today, and what it has been, is because of the the, the TV, the national audience, the TV networks, NBC, Fox, uh, ESPN. You know, you just you just hope that, uh, you know, I think with our core fans. I don't know what the demographic age-wise, but, you know, if you start doing streaming streaming races, we're going to lose some of our core fans, you know what I mean? So I, I hope that NASCAR and, and and whatever network, that they work out all the details soon rather than later uh, and keep it, keep it, uh, uh, keep our sport at the forefront on a major network, you know, I, I – uh, I, I I just think that's important for uh, for everybody involved, it's for the team owners, the drivers, everybody. NASCAR, you know. Uh, again, that's a space I'm not that familiar with, Tyler. Just hearing you speak about it because you 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 know you're uh, you know working for the NFL Network and all the things you do, you understand that space. But uh, I just hope uh, it, it works out good for the industry and the team owners and everybody involved. You know. Uh, I mean, you, you, you've seen this firsthand, uh, you know, looking at just 
you know, the business side, you, you walked right into, as we mentioned earlier in the show, uh, I, I gotta tell you, you know, just from, from my vantage point, Roy, you know, um, of what, what you saw firsthand, you know, at the end of the day, NASCAR is still a business. This thing is, is still cutthroat, uh, as much as we talked about family and some other stuff here. I mean, uh, it's, it's still a business at the end of the day, right? Oh yeah. Oh Yeah. I, I got to say, guys, I, again, grateful that I was able to do that when when I did it. Um, the 1994 season, the talent uh, that was involved there, the guys that were involved there, then the drivers, the teams, it was uh, just a monumental thing. I mean, to see Dale Earnhardt, you know, up close to see Daryl Waltrip, Rusty Wallace, and Mark Martin, uh, Ernie Irvin. I mean, Bill Elliott, Richard Petty. Amazing, amazing. Sterling Marlin. They don't stop. It's just unbelievable. The competition. Um, it's, it's just, I, I don't feel that today and i don't mean to take anything away from nascar or, or anything it's just i mean handsome harry gant i <laughs> <laughs> just it was amazing it was great and and these guys were these guys were bigger than life man it was unbelievable unbelievable yeah it was a unique time for sure dominic uh let's look ahead to this weekend's race uh the first ever Straight race in Chicago. David and I went back and forth for a long time about if NASCAR should have a street race or not. At the end of the day, we'll find out who's right and see how this goes. Um, you know how I feel. You know how David feels. Set the scene for us. This is the first time NASCAR has hit the streets of any city in its 75-year history with the NASCAR street course event this weekend in Chicago. The Grant Park 220. Opening odds. We talk about the odds every week. I feel like odd makers probably have it really hard to pick this week because there's so many variables, but no they haven't even tested the track. They haven't even tested the track, but I guess if you're going off past road course trends, opening at seven to one, there are four drivers that odd makers for NASCAR.com are saying seven to one. That's Tyler Reddick, Martin Truex Jr., Kyle Larson, and Chase Elliott, all road course aces, all that have won at road courses in the past, but certainly so many variables, so many question marks. And highlighting that entry list too, Tyler, like you were alluding to earlier, you have Formula One champion Jensen Button racing the number 15 for Rick Ware Racing. You have our buddy, friend of the show, Andy Lally, driving another entry for Rick Ware Racing. And then the project, Matty One, the, the track house operation. Shane, I'm, I'm probably butchering his name, so apologize in advance. Shane Van Gisbergen, who is the three-time supercar champion behind the wheel of that 91 car. Star-studded lineup this weekend. Yeah, and then you got Justin Marks in the Xfinity race as well. Yeah, um, I really wish Jordan Taylor would have gotten an opportunity this week. I, I think that would have been a lot of fun if Jordan Taylor was on track. Uh, but, David, uh, the time has come. I know you have dreaded the idea of, a, of stock cars on a street course, but you can't deny the excitement and what this is doing for the sport here. Mm -hmm. I don't know how the on-track action is going to go, but uh, a lot of hype uh, for this and – got a music festival along with it great opportunity to introduce new fans to the sport taking it to them in the streets here 
Oh, man, no doubt about it. I, I love, you know, NASCAR has been amazing. You know, the, the, the changes and, and uh, you know, uh, I don't know if it's Ben Kennedy, but Jill in France, but, man, you, you, you got to take your hat off to them because, man, they are stepping out there and they're trying. You know, they're trying things and, it, and it's amazing, you know. Uh, I will say there's a lot of hype. And uh, a lot of a lot of companies, a lot of new newer eyes to our sport, a lot of new companies coming in, sponsoring a lot of the different teams. Uh, man, I'm excited about all that, and I hope I hope that it, it that the races are incredible, you know. Uh, and I just and it's exciting, man. I can't wait to watch it. Um, um, you know, I thought about driving in it, but I'm not. Um, uh, but, you know, I, I will say uh, uh, that I really, I'll stick by what I'm saying, man, I, I don't know, our, <laughs> our, our NASCAR race cars are not meant for road course street races, you know what I mean? But, but, but I think NASCARs, you know, I, I, again, I take my hat off to them because, man, they're, they're trying, they're changing up the schedule, they're doing some crazy moves to, 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 you know, grow the sport, bring in new, new fans, new businesses. I mean, and, and I, I, th I love it all. You know, what I mean, I, I just hope, I hope, uh, I hope it's not a gimmick, uh, and I hope it's it's incredible. I hope we're back on here next week, thinking, talking about, man, that was unbelievable. That was a hell of a race. You know, I, I, I hope that's what we're doing. You know, but man, I can assure you. And you guys know, but there's a lot of people that don't even follow our sport that are paying attention to it because it's a big deal. Yeah, it is a big deal. Grant Park is going to be popping. Music Festival going along. Big names, too. Miranda Lambert. Um, I bet David would love to meet Miranda Lambert. Um, <laughs> you got the Black Crows are going to be out there, the Chainsmokers. I mean, it's going to be a big deal. I I'm certainly excited about it. Uh, David, a man of principle, is sticking to his guns, not racing there this weekend, but – Hopefully he's a proven wrong and we see an exciting race this weekend. Uh, Roy, what, what's your thoughts? NASCAR going street racing? Who would have thought this was possible a couple of years ago? I, I, I love it. I, I think it's great. Um, did Formula One ever have a, a, a street-style race like that? I, I, oh, yeah, yeah. They, they've they done it in the U.S. too. Uh, you know, Miami. It's got that kind of appeal. IndyCar's done it for a long time. They race in Nashville, Long Beach. Um, not everybody but NASCAR has. Well, there you have it. They're stepping up to the plate. This is going to be exciting, especially for Chicago. I mean, I got a personal, a very good friend of mine that's going to be there. And uh, I, I hope that uh, he gets uh, all his money worth and and then some. I, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm excited for him. Dominic, uh, I can't wait. Um, I'm so glad that I get to be there and see this thing firsthand. And if this works, I know there's questions about the future, but we talked with Dustin Long of NBC Sports last week. And, you know, whether it's Philadelphia potentially where Xfinity's headquartered or some of the other places, this is an experiment that if it works, uh, could pay off big time for NASCAR here if everything goes well. Big time. I know we've talked in the past few off air, we've gone back and forth. How do you define this as a successful race weekend, financial-wise, on-track, product-wise? But even we, we know that the, the, the incoming mayor was not a big fan of this to begin with. But however, he's warming up to the idea 
of the fact that there has been an uptick in tourism and people getting hotel rooms and people coming. You saw the the boost in the economy and all of a sudden everything's okay. Exactly. So you can only imagine that's going to be amplified and exponentially grown this weekend. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. We'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, let's make some picks here real quick. Uh, then we'll move on. Dominic, you go ahead and start us off. We don't know what this trial, who the favorites are going to be based on prior history. I feel like uh, you take the core road racers and probably just pull one out of a hat, right? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I mean, barring something crazy, I mean, like Dustin Longton, you could have the top seven crash out and the eighth car wins on the last lap on a crazy restart. But I, I think logic will sit in. We'll see some surprises. We'll see some guys run up front that maybe we weren't expecting. Michael McDowell might be a contender. But Tyler, I think Tyler Reddick gets it done at the Chicago streets. This guy needs a win to get in the playoff. You want to talk about making a statement. How about your most popular driver wins the street race? Chase Elliott gets it done in Chicago. David, who do you like? Well, how about my buddy that really had a had an awesome car this past weekend at Nashville? I think Kevin Harvick gets it done in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> when in doubt, Kevin Harvick. Really, uh, who who are you picking this week at Chicago? Uh, I think Jeff Bodine's going to get it done in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. <laughs> right, right here, Roy. Yes, yes, Jeff Bodine. Hey, Roy, Roy, he you could uh, he could get in a car today and get it done. Uh, there's no doubt. <laughs> I'm telling you, he was something on the road course, man. He yeah, was really yeah, good. Yeah, absolutely. All right, time for our Ask David segment. We ask you to submit questions to us on uh, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, at Star Podcast and by email, davidstarpodcast at gmail.com is where you can find us. Uh, question from Allie. Allie writes, David, I heard Roy got to drive a race car. How do you think Roy would do at your racing school? Man, I think Roy would do great. You know, uh, with a little <laughs> bit of training, uh, he would absolutely love it. The difference between driving Jeff Bogdan's car in 1994 at Bristol Bristol Motor Speedway, and coming to the Texas Motor Speedway, driving one of my team Texas race cars, uh, he'd have to stay out there and almost be in a race because there'd be nine other cars out there with him. And uh, I know Roy likes to drive fast, so uh, I think uh, once he saw a car in front of him, he'd think he was Jeff Bodine and want to go past okay. it. So I think uh, I think Roy would really do good uh, coming to our racing school. I think he would love it. As As David would say, Roy, you'd be hauling ass. <laughs> awesome absolutely absolutely <laughs> Roy is that something you want to do you want to hop in a, a stock car again uh, absolutely absolutely I mean I, I I always thought I could be the total package you know what I mean I, I, got, <laughs> I, I got the charm I got the looks I just I need the skills so my Dave can show me how to get it done <laughs> Uh, this one's from Anthony. It's for Roy and David. We'll start off with Roy this time. What advice would you give someone who wants to be working in NASCAR someday? Um, let's see. My advice is this, uh, NASCAR is, is a, a proving ground, just like anything else in life that you would choose that you're, you're going to make a profession. You have to go in it with a positive mindset that you're going to be an asset. You you are going to be good for wherever you go, whoever you work for. Uh, you have to be loyal and 
you have to put your nose to the grindstone and make sacrifices that sometimes are not in your benefit, but, uh, you know, wholeheartedly, that's what it takes to uh, be successful. And uh, not just in NASCAR, in, in any form of business or, or life in general. But yeah, an asset, man. We need more assets in the world today. David, what about you? What would your advice be for somebody that wants to work in NASCAR? Man, go for it. You know, have a good attitude. Uh, come in with uh, be open minded. Uh, be uh, you know be be easy uh, to to for change. Uh, you know, if if uh, if if you're not if you're allergic to manual labor, it's probably not a place for you. Uh, but man, you know. Uh, there's racing teams out there uh, that would love to have somebody new that wants to be there, that wants to learn, who wants to make a career out of it. And just having a positive attitude, uh, you know, uh, be open-minded, coming to work, learn all you can learn, uh, be loyal, be committed. And uh, man, I just, you know, there's, there's, there's lots of great careers in our, in our, in our, in our industry of NASCAR racing, you know, but, uh, but, you know, uh, be a leader, you know what I mean? Uh, whether you're a crew member, PR person, there's so many different uh, skill sets that, that, that are in our sport, you know, uh, I love it when I meet men and women and young people and older people that have been, that make a living in NASCAR uh, you talk to them for five minutes, you fall in love with them because they got great attitudes. You hear their story. Uh, they were committed. Uh, there, there was not, you know, there was no option B that was going to make it work. They, you know, got to have a lot of passion, a lot of desire. And uh, I think if you have all that, you know, uh, that all that ingredients, uh, the outcome is going to be great. Dominic, you and I, you know, we we've worked in the sport for several years now. We played a small role, but I can tell you, I think the the biggest thing when we talk advice and whatnot, we could tell you what not to do in the sport based on what we've seen uh, from our own mistakes and uh, from people that haven't made it. I've always said if people can learn from my mistakes and, and use those as learning lessons to not repeat what I've done, hey, I'm all for it. But I think just kind of what Roy and David are saying and echoing, don't be afraid to take some chances, whether that be on yourself or an opportunity that comes up. Tyler, life's too short as we've come to realize. Why not do the things you enjoy? You might have to grind it out. You might have to work hard and you might have to catch a lucky break. But if you're putting the work in and you're persistent, somebody's going to take notice. Yeah. Well, and I think too, David, what I would also add, and this doesn't even just apply to working in, in racing, working in NASCAR, but really all walks of life. You know, you can you can be rich as can be and still not be happy. I mean, you gotta. You got to find your own happiness. You got to do what you want to do, what makes you happy. And money doesn't necessarily mean happiness. You got to do what's what's best for you and best best for your family, and and find that happy medium. Man, that's so true. You know, I uh, you guys know me. I work all the time. You know, I'm either racing in an Xfinity race somewhere, or I'm at my shop at Texas Motor Speedway running my racing school. You know, I'm I'm just twenty four seven. People say, man, you work, work, work all the time. You know, if you love what you do, if you're passionate about what you do, you'll never work a day in your life, even though you work your tail off. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, you got to find your happiness, you know, and uh, 
Um, you know, if, if, you, if, you, if you're working, you know, you guys, all of us, we have friends uh, that say, I hate going to work. I, I hate getting up going to work. Man, you know, I, 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 I always feel for people when I hear those types of comments, you know what I mean? Because I would tell you that you need to find something that makes you happy, something you're passionate about, and go try to make a living doing that. And, and if, man, if, if you can do that, um, you know, life's good. You know what I mean? Can you imagine, guys, we got to get up tomorrow morning and we and we dread doing what we got to go do to make a living to take care of our families, you know? That's, uh, man, that's quality of life. You lose a little bit of quality of life there, you know what I mean? So, you know, Tyler, like you said, it doesn't matter if it's NASCAR. Or that's just in life in general, you know? So, you know, I, uh, I hope, uh, I hope, you know, we, we hope that everybody, when they get up tomorrow morning, they're excited to go make a living and go to work, wherever that may be. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're just about done, about to wrap up here. Before we do, let's uh, kind of go around the room. Roy, we appreciate you joining us, man. What's, uh, what's going on in, in your world? What's kind of your uh, next few days uh, look like, man? I'm getting charged up for a big 4th of July celebration this weekend. A uh, few parties, different places, a um, lot of family, a lot of friends. Uh, and um, I'm excited to see how the uh, Chicago race pans out, man. See who who comes out on top. Should be good. No doubt. No doubt about it. Dominic, uh, you're not going to be joining us in Chicago, unfortunately. But uh, what's going on with you uh, over the 4th of July weekend? Yeah, I'll, I'll be spending some time with the family and spending here in Grants, New Mexico, my wife and son. It's going to be awesome. I think seeing his reaction, Christopher's to fireworks and how all that goes. But I'm looking forward to being back in my first race in quite some time at Atlanta in a couple of weeks. I, I'm, I'm sorry I won't join you guys in Chicago. I do look forward to getting out there someday soon. But, man, we'll miss you in Atlanta, Tyler. Yeah, I mean, Dominic misses out on the two most exciting races of the year, Nashville and Chicago go to Atlanta. <laughs> I, I don't I don't get that. I don't understand it at all. <laughs> Nonetheless, David uh, had sleep lately, Tyler. <laughs> yeah. David, uh you're 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 off this week, uh, but I'm sure you're you're gonna be busy with something. Man, no doubt about it. Tomorrow I got three meetings tomorrow, starting at 10 a.m. tomorrow morning at my shop. Got a big sponsor meeting tomorrow. And some other uh, racing school meetings uh, uh, this weekend. I'm trying to, uh, since I'm not racing, uh, I'm trying to take my little, my ten year old to go race his uh, little sprint car somewhere. So we're working on that uh, to see what we're gonna. He, he might be racing if if uh, they're not racing locally. We probably go find us a track to go race at. Uh, uh, so hopefully we're gonna do that. Uh, but man, you know, I hope to spend one day at the lake, uh, just you know, enjoying my kids and my wife, and just uh, try to have a little R and R, which we don't get much of that, you know what I mean? So, uh, and then I'm excited to see what's going on in Chicago to watch this freaking road race. I mean, it's just history being made in our sport, you know. It's kind of, it's kind of cool. I, I kind of, you know, now we're talking about it and been thinking about it. Hell, I, I should be there in a race car trying to figure that out. I think it'd be awesome to freaking race around a street course you know what i mean it'd be you know i'm just thinking to myself what happens is third and fourth you know somebody passes somebody and, and man they spin out a wreck man can you imagine all the cars gonna pile up into them you know 
I just, uh, so many questions, but I just hope it, it pans out really well for, 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 uh, for this street race. And uh, so that's it. What about you, Tyler? What are you doing? Now, we already know what you're doing. You're going to Chicago, right? Yeah. Uh, Summer Jones continues uh, from <laughs> Chicago this week. And uh, looking forward to watching NASCAR racing. Uh, friend of the show, Jonathan Feld and I. I know Dominic's used to giving the updates on Feld. He and John Haverhill, another friend of ours, uh, we're all going to the Cubs game Friday. Going to enjoy Wrigleyville. And then we'll be at the track uh, Saturday and Sunday for the Xfinity and the Cup race. And uh, I'm looking forward to the music festival, too, uh, and just taking it all in, this historic event, um, and just enjoying all of it. And uh, then be back here uh, for the 4th of July. Last year, David and I, we, we took went out with the boys, his boys, to go watch fireworks. Uh, we got a show to do next week, so I don't know if I, we're going to be seeing fireworks, but we'll figure it out one way or the other. There will be fireworks this weekend, though, in oh. uh, Chicago. So. Absolutely, there will be. Hey, before we jump off here, I want to – Give a shout out to some of my sponsors last week, AuroraWellness.com, Nottingham Tactical, you know, some new companies that joined us, T-Top Manufacturing, our buddy Mark Tate, uh, Big V Steel Buildings, Alarm Tech Systems, you know, Miss Missy and Rich Fix, uh, Maggie's Parents, Kale's Truck and Heavy Equipment. I, I love, like that hat you're wearing there, uh, Tyler, and uh, man, what a... What a great group of guys uh, that came to the race. Uh, we didn't have the we didn't have the best race. We uh, man, we we threw everything uh, at our race car during the race. Couldn't get that baby to turn in the center, but man, it was a lot of fun and had some great sponsors, and they enjoyed it. And uh, what a fun weekend it was of racing there in Nashville. Yeah, uh, talked to Philip a couple times and. Uh, Great guy. He fed us well, uh, and it was awesome to have him on board uh, on the race car this week there at uh, Nashville Super Speedway. So shout out to those guys at Kale's Truck and uh, Heavy Equipment uh, out of South Carolina National Company doing a, a great job and glad to have them uh, on the uh, race car this past week. We got to put the checkered flag out on this episode. As always, subscribe to the show. New episodes out each and every week. Uh, on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also on YouTube as well. Like, subscribe, turn on notifications so you never miss a moment. Uh, leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. And uh, follow us on social media, Twitter and Facebook at Star Podcast. You can also hit us up in the email inbox, davidstarpodcast at gmail.com. For Roy, Dominic, and David, I'm Tyler Jones. Thanks so long. Thanks for joining us. Have a great 4th of July weekend. And we'll see you next week here on Let's Go Racing.